we live in a world where the problems that we're dealing with are often quite complex. And if you're not fully understanding the problem, at best, you're only addressing the symptoms rather than the problem itself. And at worst, you're creating new problems. Welcome to The Thinking Leader, brought to you by Red Team Thinking. Bad leaders react, good leaders plan, and great leaders think. Each week, you'll get new ideas and insights from business executives, military experts, and innovative thought leaders to help you lead more effectively and better navigate your complex world. Now, here are your hosts, best-selling business author and top-rated leadership speaker, Bryce Hoffman, and former RAF Wing Commander and Business Agility Coach, Marcus Dimbleby. Hello, and welcome to the show. Marcus, it's just us this week. What do you want to talk about? It's nice just to have you all to myself, Mr. Hoffman. What do I want to talk about this week? Given what's been going on lately, I'd like to talk about satisficing. Not satisfying, mm. satisficing. Do you want to explain to our listeners what satisficing is? Well, satisficing is the way that most organizations make decisions, unfortunately. Um, it's really just a, you know, a term that, that, that uh, psychologists and others who, dis, who, who study human decision-making use to talk about what it really is. I, I'm not joking, the default decision-making method of most organizations, which is simply to, you know, when you have a problem that you're trying to solve, to, to work on finding a solution until you find the first viable solution and then go with that without spending another second challenging yourself to see if there's another option, if there's a better option. And, you know, it's something that because everyone's super busy and under the cautious speed constantly in today's world, everybody defaults to that. And the problem mm -hmm. is, is that often the first idea that comes to us is not the best idea. Sometimes it is. Sometimes we get lucky, but often it's not. And it, it's amazing, as you know, Marcus, from our, our, our work, how how easy it can be if you spend another 15, 30 minutes looking at a problem, particularly if you do so in a structured way, that how easy it is to come up with a better alternative. And yet right. people aren't taking that time. And that's why we get we get we get solutions that don't solve the problem. We get half measures, we get ill-conceived uh decisions that are not thought out. I know. And, and you said it's a standard default for organizations nowadays, isn't it? And it's also, you know, if you're satisficing for a problem, if you're leaping to a solution, are you actually considering that you're solving for the right problem? Right. Which is often, you know, even if you do satisfy and it's the right solution, it might fail anyway because you've solved for the wrong problem because you've not taken that time just to think more. And that, and that time frame when you're looking to think for alternative solutions can often surface that, the problem you're looking for or solving for isn't the right one. So again, you're not wasting double time almost by solving for problems that don't need fixing. And I think you know, this whole satisficing is a strange word, isn't it? But you know, it's satisfy and suffice, i.e. it's sufficient. And when is sufficient good enough? You know, we're not saying this is a bad thing. Sometimes it's okay to be sufficient and do what's needed in you know, when you are under mega time pressure. But most of the time, we all have the time to take that little bit longer. And as you said, it's not saying go and spend more days thinking and planning. Five minutes, 10 minutes, just ask someone else for their input just to get a different perspective. And that can make all the difference to give you a far more impactful outcome. 
than just going with what you think is the best answer. Because in a complex world, we know that satisficing is really, really dangerous. Well, you know, this is something you and I were just talking about uh, in one of our classes this week. Mm. And, you know, I, I made the comment that one of the number one things when we when we sit with with folks and uh, companies that we're working with, and when we start working with a new organization, whether it's a, a business or a government or military, you know, we try to understand their, their strengths and weaknesses going in. And, and when we talk to folks, the number one thing that we hear when we ask, what, what are you good at? Is we're really <laughs> good. You, you know where I'm going with this. We're really good at fighting fires. And you, you know what my response to that always is, which is that, you know, unless you're actually in the business of fighting fires, exactly. like a fire agency, which some of our clients are, um, that's not a good thing. That's not something to be proud of. Because what you're really saying is we're really good as an organization at starting fires. And, and, and why are you good at starting fires? Because you're satisficing, because you're, you're, you're making decisions rapidly and reactively without really thinking them through. And it starts with what you just described, Marcus. It starts with understanding the problem. Mm -hmm. And the problem with us as human beings is that we're problem-solving creatures which is a good thing. It bodes well for our ability to, 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 to be thinking leaders and to, and to be red team thinkers. But it's a challenge because we often start solving the problem before we even fully understand it. And, you know, yeah, you, totally. can, you, you can demonstrate that to people by writing a simple algebra problem on a board. People will start trying to solve, figure out how to solve it before you're even done writing it because that's how our brains are wired, which is, you know, yeah. it's a good thing. Like you say, sometimes you, you know, you have to act quickly. Yeah, it's a system one, isn't it? That Kahneman talks about it's right. that intuition and gut reaction kicking in, but it does it too often. That's the danger. It does it too often. And, you know, increasingly that may be the way that we're wired, but that's not the world we live in anymore. You know, we live in a world where the problems that we're dealing with are often quite complex. And, and if you're not fully understanding the problem, at best, you're only addressing the symptoms rather than the problem Indeed. itself. And at worst, you're creating new problems. Yeah. And as you said, you know, people are proud of putting fires out. And there's also that, I call it the double busy badge. You know, everybody walks around, you know, hey, hey, standard question and answer is, hey, how's, how are things? How are you doing? Oh, I'm so busy. And it's like, look at this Medal of Honor I've got. I'm so busy. I'm like, dude, that is nothing to be proud of. You know, rushing around everywhere, looking busy. And, and is it the sake of looking busy for, you know, appearances sake? What was it Warren Buffett said? Was it, you know, busy is the new stupid. And if you're <laughs> racing around, it's just stupid behavior because you're going to trip up. As we say in the complex world, if you're rushing around, applying system one, reacting, what do we say? Bad leaders react. If you're reacting rather than taking the time to be responsive, which is a well thought out considered response rather than a reaction, knee jerk reaction, then you're going to get a bad outcome. You're going to trip up. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to say things you didn't mean to say. You're going to go down pathways and take people with you, oblivious to what's down there. And then before you get there, there's dragons, bears, tigers, and sharks. And you, you're you stuck. They go, I never saw that coming. And everyone's behind you going, well, we did try to tell you. We did try to pull back on the reins, but you were so busy rushing. And here we are. Well, you know, it's interesting. When Alan Mulally was on our show, he made the point that 
you know, when he was when he was in the midst of saving Ford Motor Company during the global financial crisis, people used to always say, "Oh, you must be, you you must be working around the clock and and yeah. you know burning the midnight oil." And he was like, "Nope, I'm home every day at six thirty, because the most important thing he said on the show, he said the most important thing is the leader, is that I show up fresh the next day, exactly that, not running around with my hair on fire, and calm." And okay. able to tackle what 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 tomorrow's problems are, in a in a deliberate and calm sort of way, and you can make effective decisions if you right. if you've got the headspace, you know. And this is why I think to me leadership is about that ability. We see you know, and we work with a lot of individuals. You see these leaders, and the heads are almost fuzzing because there's yeah. so much going on, and that's on them because they're taking it on. Instead of delegating, instead of that devolved decision-making that we so often help clients right. with, mission command, if you delegate, you're freeing up space. And you look at the diaries, is it back-to-back Zoom calls? You know, that's just bad management of your own personal time. So if you free up that space, you're not that busy. And that's okay. And, and again, get over that stigma of not looking busy, walking around, observing, you're helping, you're creating the environment and enabling your people within that to do what they need to do effectively. If right. you're micromanaging everything, if you're hands on everything, if you're unable, you know, I was working with an organization last year and they met the team. Like, hey, hey, have you seen the boss? I said, yeah, I was just spent yesterday with them. Oh, great. How are they? Good. And they're like, I could see it. Like, Why? Well, I don't know. It'd be nice to see them at some point. I was like, when did you last see them? Two weeks ago. I'm like, really? And then I went to speak, oh, I'm, I'm so busy, Marcus. Like, let's have a look at your diary, you know, and then you get the guilt yeah. trip of that behavior. But this is, and this is where Alan had this nailed. And when we talked to Ron, didn't we, a couple of weeks ago, put yourself first, put your health first. If you're not clear of mind, the sound of mind as a leader, how can you help your people? How can you be rushing around everywhere with your tail on fire and your brain fizzing and be an effective leader? You can't. We're not advocating, you know, abdicating your role as leader. No. We're not ad- advocating taking it easy, you know, and, 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 you know, phoning it in, giving 50%, any of that. No, that's not what we're saying. We're Absolutely saying, we're, we're saying approach your job as a leader, as a decision maker in a deliberate way where you give yourself the time and the headspace um, to, to make the right decisions. And, uh, you know, this is something we've talked with a number of our guests about, and it's mm-hmm. really important is that, is that, you know, and, 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 that, and this is why Kahneman wrote the follow-up book noise to thinking fast and slow, because not only is cognitive bias and heuristics a threat to decision-making, so is the, the noise created by, by being double busy, as you put it, you know, all the time is also keeps you from making a good decision. And, and you do have to carve that space out. I mean, you know, it's like, you know, not that he, that every single one of his decisions was, was perfect because they weren't, but I mean, you know, look at Churchill. I mean, Churchill famously stayed in bed half the day and yet, and, and, and people would, would, would kind of be shocked at this, but you know, he took, he took, you know, a huge, you know, nap in the middle of the day, but then he, then he got up fresh and worked late and then, yeah. you know, he, but he paced himself and, and, and people at the, you know, at the time, many people thought he was pacing himself to a fault. 
but it worked because he, what he was doing was giving himself the space to think. Doesn't that go back to what we talk about in the four principles of red teaming, that self-awareness and reflection. If you're not self-aware, doesn't matter how great you are at doing everything else. If everyone around you is watching you slowly start to implode and you can't see or sense that yourself. And we often, and men are awful for this, right? You know, suicide rates for men are sky high because of this, we're the worst individual. We don't, we, we don't talk. And heart attacks too. Heart attacks, yeah. We bottle things up. We don't see it. We don't believe it can happen to us. You know, and we don't really talk about these things either with our mates, with our work colleagues, with our family. And then boom, things happen and bad things happen. So it's that ability to have that self-awareness, to reflect upon things that happen, good and bad. Open yourself up for your teams to call things out. We, we had a... a a team a couple of years ago I was working with and they had a great leader and all was going really well. And I went off to do some work with another team and I came back to them about two months later, walked in and I could just sense the vibe in the room. Hmm. Okay. Things have changed. What's going on? And we just had a coffee and a chat and oh, dude, Bob's just been a douchebag. I'm like, really? It's not, Bob's not like that. Oh, for the last month, since, since you left, he came in one day and it's been awful. I'm like, okay, so what have you guys done with it? Oh, we, we just, you know, as always, what, what, what are we going to do? Suck it up. We'll get on with it. Do what he says. He changes his plan the next day. And I'm just like, guys, this isn't Bob. And they were like, yeah, but, but that's what he is now. I said, okay, can you go and have a word, Marcus? I said, hey, this isn't on me. You can sort this one out. I said, next time Bob comes in, let him say what he needs to say them. One of you and whoever's closest or whoever's, you know, up for this, go up to him and go, hey, Bob, do you, do you want to go and get a coffee? I'd like to talk to you about something with the team. So you let him think it's something relevant. On the way there, just ask him, hey, is everything okay? He may go cold. I'm just sensing that the team have noticed, you know, don't put, say you are, you know, the team have noticed some change in behavior. We just thought, you know, are you okay? Anything you want to talk about? I said, just try that for me. Came back a week later, walked in, the room's buzzing, everything's back to as it was. And I walked, I said, so, so what happened? And one of the guys went, went to speak to him and he said it was just an outpouring. You know, he apologized, he had stuff going on at home, he had stuff with his health that he wasn't aware of that come up. As always, the sort of perfect storm had arrived and three or four things had manifested. And instead of just talking to someone, he bottled it all up and took it out at work as we normally do as men don't we that's just the 10 default reaction but soon as somebody just gave him the opportunity to speak and talk it was there like a floodgate so it goes back to what you were saying building time in and make these things processes you know time a week to to call your buddy and have a chat to have a good vent with your colleagues to get your team together and go anything i'm doing and i thought one of the great questions from coaching was if you were me what would you do different and if the team just say hey i'll do this well, sorry, I didn't even realize I was doing that. Oh yeah, you were doing it all the time last week in the meeting with the CEO. Was I? Goes back to that self-awareness. And if you can't be self-aware, the awareness of others, I think is a really powerful sort of attribution that you can bring from your teams. Absolutely. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about how to overcome satisfying and make better choices. Stay tuned. Hey folks, Bryce here. If you're listening to this and you're liking what you're hearing and you're wondering, am I a red team thinker? We have an easy way for you to find out. Just go to 
the show notes, click on the link there to our free assessment to find out if you are a red team thinker and what you can do to think more effectively, to lead more effectively, and to make better decisions faster in your complex world. Like I said, the link is in the show notes, or you can simply go to our website, redteamthinking.com. Check it out. I can't wait to see how you score. So welcome back. Before the break, we were talking about satisficing the symptoms and how it can impact us. Bryce, let's talk about how we can overcome this problem. Well, as you know, Marcus, we have a lot of different tools and techniques that we teach that are really designed to address this problem of satisficing. In a certain sense, that's what red team thinking is all about, is addressing this problem of satisficing. But, you know, in in the the biggest one is a tool that we call Devil's Troika. It's a tool that I created specifically to help organizations challenge their their decisions and, and see if there isn't a better way. See if there aren't things that they're missing see if there aren't opportunities to improve, to iterate on their original idea before they execute it. And it's tremendously effective. It's not, you know, it, it, we, we teach this class over two half days, so it's not something we can, we can simply explain on the show here. But what we can do, and, and, and what I'd encourage you all to do, is, 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 to, is to basically do a little bit of, of, of devil's troika light, I would call it. And, and the way that you can do this, and this is something that we can all do, you can do it individually or you can do it in a group. If you have a plan, if you have a decision that you need to make, you come up with an idea, you satisfy, you go, you work on it until you come up with your first, your first viable option. But don't stop there. Challenge yourself to come up with at least one more option. And then... Don't stop there. Now look at the two options you've got and, and see, A, which, which, is, which is the strongest? Which one is the strongest of the two? But B, is there a third way? Is there a third option that you could create taking the best from number one and the best from number two and combining them? Because often there is. That's something you can do in half an hour. Mm-hmm. It's something that you can do by yourself. Um, one of the ways that I like to do it by myself is, is to, to put a time element in there to say, you know what, um, I'm going to, I'm going to write my, my idea down and I'm going to force myself to go away and come back either later today or tomorrow and look at this and then write down another idea and then wait, come back either today or later today or, or the next later that day or the next day. And look at them with a fresh set of eyes and say, now, which of these two do I, do I think is the best? And is there a way to combine the best elements of these two? And that's how you can do it individually. If you do it in a group, it's even more powerful. But the point is, is that, is that this is a way that you can challenge yourself to think about different op- options, to overcome satisficing and you know, maybe your first idea is the right one, but think about how much more confidence you're going to have moving forward if you if you come to that conclusion after having considered other alternatives. We, we were talking about this yesterday in the class that we did last night and <clears throat> confidence came in, into the one of the questions. The answer was, you know, if you are confident in doing this, 
And the question was, how do you get confident? And we went through exactly a scenario. They says, look, how's your answer? My answer's X, great. Are you confident about that? No, I'm happy with it. Okay, let's run through some of these processes. How confident are you now? Wow, 95%. What does that mean? That doesn't mean you're confident in your answer. That means you now proceed in a different manner. You proceed with confidence. And if you're right. moving forward with confidence, you're more aware. Your radar's on, you're looking ahead. Things are coming in left and right, but you're aware of them coming. You can dodge them, you can alternate your plans, you know, you can implement plan B, plan C, and you're being responsive rather than underconfident, you know, your head's down and you're therefore reacting. And I think one of the other mechanisms when we talk about trying to halt satisfying, trying to disengage system one, some of the other simple techniques we have, you know, slow down to speed up, my big mantra. So how do you slow down? Stop, breathe, and think. We spoke about this before. Have these mantras in your head. Right, I've got a quick decision to make. Before I leap, you know, grandma used to say, look before you leap, stop, breathe, think. Just stop yourself, check what you're doing, take a deep breath, and think. And by thinking, you're disengaging system one, and you're engaging system two, which means it's right. going to be more logical, it's going to be more methodical, and it's going to be more likely to be correct even if you take 60 seconds, I love it when you do this, Bryce, you know, we do it, don't we? we go, right, everybody think, right, share. And you see people think for three seconds and grab their pen. And you go, ah, 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 click 60 seconds on the clock. Everybody put your pens down. You see people that get strokey beards, scratchy heads, but you can physically see that brain disengaging the rapid process and engaging system two. And just that 60 seconds can make all the difference to the output and the outcomes that you achieve with that different outcome of thought, which is what the whole purpose is. But you have to do it honestly and authentically is the other 100%. key. Because, you know, one of the reasons that the U.S. Army created decision support red teaming was because of it recognized a major deficiency with MDMP, the military decision-making process, which was the process that the U.S. military developed and still uses to make decisions. It's actually a fine process. The problem with it, which is the problem with every process, is that it got reduced over time to a checklist that people, yeah. instead of doing the steps, simply check the boxes. And one of the steps in MDMP is to come up with three different options. You have to come up, when, when you're making a plan, you have to come up with three cover different one, options. Cover one, cover two, consider. cover three. I remember it well. Yeah, that's right. You know, you know MDMP yeah. from your Close time with the U.S. Marines. Yeah. yeah. And so you have to come up with, 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 with three different COAs. But you know also the reality. The reality is that in practice, commanders would satisfy, come mm -hmm. up with the first viable course of action, and then spend about 60 seconds coming up with two ridiculously stupid ideas that they could fill in on the form to show that they had Correct. considered two other alternatives. And then they give that to the senior commander and say, well, here's what I came up with, sir. And and, you know, obviously it's a straw man, you know, but the senior commander looks at it and says, well, whoa, those two other ideas are horrible. Obviously you're doing the right thing, son, you know, and, yeah. and, and, uh, then, then, then you move forward with satisficing. And, and one of the things that, that they created formal red teaming to do was to make sure that somebody in the process was, was, was enforcing that pause and, and, and saying, all right, let's really look at these different options. And let's see if we can't do better. Let's see if there isn't if there isn't an option that we're missing. 
And as you say, you can't do that every time, but you can do it a lot more than you think. And it takes less time than you think. And the effects are tremendous. The effects are tremendous. We've all seen, you know, you, you, uh, maybe we'll, sh- can share a story without going into obviously the, the, the details, which are classified, but, um, you know, when you taught, uh, Devil's Troika to a team from NATO last year and how they used it yeah. to develop strategy and how long did it take them to develop the strategy? 90 minutes, nine zero minutes. And the Admiral said that it was far better than the strategy that the folks up in Brussels had been working on for how yeah. long? Two weeks. Yeah. So two weeks with a room full of very senior experienced people versus 90 minutes in a room that was full of all mixed ranks, all mixed nations, fully diverse with not a single starred officer in the room. And that just goes to validate using the tools and techniques that what that meant was, I'm guessing what happened in the HQ was you had a highly engaged group of smart people, but... Groupthink would have been rife. They've all got the similar background and experience. They all saw the answer, all agreed with it and went with it. What the diverse group, and Oliver talked about this last week about the Gen Zs, they don't have that curse of knowledge. They're not scarred by the life stick. Remember that? It was a great, great statement. They aren't scarred by the life stick. Exactly. I love that. So you've got a mixed, diverse, younger group. They're going to call stuff out. A, they're going to challenge you because they don't see that, but they're going to see things differently. And then saying something sparks that thought in the colonel going, wow, I never thought of that. Riff off that some more. And you get this whole, you know, organically grown ideas forging together and you know, it gets way beyond this three course of action hybrid model. It's like a 20 versions coming together. And from that, you get a great way forward. And it absolutely blew them away. And the, the HQ just couldn't believe how they'd done that. And when the colonel explained to it, he's like, you need to come and teach us how to do this because... It's clearly the way forward. Yeah. It's it's amazing where your mind will go if you give it the time and the space to, 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 to let go. And again, not a lot of time, but you have to, you know, you, 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 you can't be constantly putting out fires. If you're Famous. putting out fires, you're not, you're not doing fire prevention. And, you know, how much better is it to, to be in a situation where you don't have to put out fires because you got it right the first time? So that's what I, that's, I strongly encourage people to slow down, think about their choices, think if there's a better way. And if you do that, you'll be amazed at, at, at how much better insights you're able to generate right inside your own skull. Absolutely. Slow down to speed up. It works. Thank you for tuning in to The Thinking Leader. Check the show notes for more information about the topics covered in this episode there. You'll also find a link to our free assessments. Click on it right now to find out if you are a red team thinker with a red team culture.